Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is the Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat not required. Welcome to the Dapper Meeple Season 2. Yeah, we're still workshopping that. Today we're going to discuss the elephant-sized Kickstarter in the room. In games we play, we're all about becoming your own network executive in the networks by Formal Ferret Games. Then in the Kickstarter roundup, we will look at games that turn traditional RPGs on their heads, give you a naval combat worker placement and deck building game, and lastly, a Mad Max style racing game. All that and more on this episode of the Dapper Meeple. Here we are, season two, episode one. It's been a long time coming <laughs> to get to season two. I just don't want to have an episode 13. I feel like that may be bad luck. So um, I'm going to avoid it altogether, completely renumber, <laughs> and that's what you guys get. It'll be easier to find later on. You'll thank me for it. So wait, does that mean every time we get to an episode 13, it becomes a new season? Ooh, that's good crap. I didn't really think that through well. It's going to be like the middle of this year. All right, season three. (laughs) Hey, the good news is uh, most places where you get your podcast from, if you just go to the podcast page, it'll list it by date. So you're good. Don't worry about the episodes. It's not important. (laughs) Ignore the bird. Follow the river. Thinking about our our new season, last time we talked about what some of our future plans were, some of the things we were planning on doing with the podcast, some of the things we were hoping to do this year, including having a more regular schedule. Just want to point out it has snowed the past two weekends, and that's usually when we get together to record. Uh, Nonetheless, we are here recording this new episode, so let's kick it off with what have you been playing lately? So we talked a little bit while we were up in PAX. I picked up a copy of the new version of Warhammer 40k Kill Team, right? Um, Wargaming is kind of something that neither one of us have really done. Right. And I was up there and we've, we, I told the story. I played some I, I played some sweaty laser tag, got $100 <laughs> off. And I was like, man, half off. You got to You got to give it a try. So I did. Um, jumped into the lore like real hardcore. Like I've blown through, I mean, almost... I don't know, six or seven books now. Right. Kind of all over the place. Um, I, I love the setting. It is, it is described as a very like grim, dark setting. Like there are no good guys. Humanity is horrible. Um, pretty much everybody in the universe is horrible. Like, yeah, everybody trends to garbage, right? Um, <laughs> they're just, it's just horrific. Like, and there's so many people like humanity numbers in like the quadrillions. So it doesn't even matter. Like, like we throw away a thousand lives a day, just literally, throw away a thousand lives a day for the emperor. And like, it's a standard sacrifice every day. A thousand lives don't matter. We've quadrillions, right? I like the setting. So I started getting into it. So I wanted to give it a try. Um, I didn't want to build a giant ass Henry Cavill army, right? <laughs> but what I do, I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, when I make my space Marines there, I'm going to make sure to find little Henry Cavill heads to put on them. <laughs> They're going to be the most badass custodes ever. Maybe by then we'll have a 3D printer. We'll just make our own own Henry Cavill heads. (laughs) You heard it here first. I can't wait to put that one online. Um, But But you should do all the faces of Henry Cavill. So you should have like the little Superman head. You should have some Geralt the Witcher heads. (laughs) The commander's going to have a mustache. (laughs) So yeah, so I picked up Kill Team, um, which if if you don't know, Warhammer 40k is a game where you buy the minis, you collect the minis, you build an army, and they're usually, I mean, pretty significant. You're talking like 20, 30 pieces on a table, and they move as like units and things like that. Kill Team is their version where they've kind of scaled it down from strategic big level battle to more tactical squad level. And I guess the Kill Teams are supposed to be like specialists, right? Yeah. Because that's what I've got. I got the newer one, which was the Octarius uh, battle. Uh, I guess it's the planet Octarius. That's where the scenarios are set in and stuff. And uh, you get two army or two squads with it. The orc commandos, which 
the more I read about orcs, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the army that I play. Um, they're just ridiculous. It's it's crazy. Like it's something like whatever they believe, they generate this field around them. Whatever they believe is true. So they believe the color red makes things go faster. So when they paint their vehicles red, they go faster, right? So I got the orc commandos, and then I got the death core of Krieg, which are like humans. But I mean, wow! You want to talk about these are the guys you want defending your like your planet. Because they don't care. They're crazy. They're in this to die. Like, that's their whole thing. Apparently, their planet had a civil war that lasted like 500 years. Like, the civil war started with somebody nuking the planet. And it was a war of attrition for 500 years. (laughs) They finally won. And they came back to the, like, Imperium. Like, hey, can we come back in? And they're like, man, we forgot about you guys. Like, yeah, sure, come on in. But you haven't paid your tithes in 500 years. So you're going to have to catch up on that. Right? And these guys are like, all right, whatever. They're like, you need to send us a whole battalion of dudes. They sent 20. They're like, yeah, man, this is all we do. We just fight. Um, but they've been a lot of fun. And uh, me and the girlfriend have been doing a lot of the painting. I haven't actually got into playing the game yet. I'm still painting because, holy crap, that's some painstaking. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, that's really been what I've been doing. Like, watching the videos, learning the rules, uh, a lot of painting. A lot of painting, but I feel like we should put up like a countdown till actual play. Right. Right. The <laughs> only problem is I don't know how long it's going to take me to get through the orcs. I'm almost done with the death core, uh, but I got to put, I got to, I got to paint the orcs. So um, in the meantime, like I said, uh, my the girlfriend has been uh, kind of involved in this too. She's like, okay, this looks like a lot of fun. Just painting them. Um, she's an art teacher anyway. So this is like right down her alley. And she, uh, has been painting uh, a bunch of you know her own. She tends to lean more towards like Nurgle, which is one of the chaos gods, the god of like pestilence and plague and death and rot. Yeah, so okay. all of his minis or his army of minis all look like I mean some kind of zombified things growing out of them. There's always something leaking out of them. Um, but that's that seems to be the way she goes. I think it's like I think she likes the free form that that offers. Oh, okay, I can you see know? that. Yeah, like yeah. If, if you get a space marine, I mean, he's got he's she, he probably should look like other space marines. These guys, it's right. like, eh, things are falling off. It changes day to day. <laughs> you lose an arm, it's okay. Yeah, that whatever. guy doesn't need whatever. An arm. Um, but I'm looking forward to actually playing some Kill Team. Uh, we I found our local Games Workshop store. Right which is the company that uh, puts out Warhammer and the guy that runs it used to be a manager at Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and he, you know, you go over to the store and he's like, Hey man, yeah, we can, you can do painting classes there. Come in, we'll show you how to play the game. We'll figure stuff out. He started a kill team league on the weekends and stuff. Uh, I mean, so a lot of options there, a lot of community building going on there, which is stuff I kind of liked. So yeah, man, that's, uh, that's what's been eating up my time lately. How about you? Um, let's see. A lot of my time has been getting back into uh, tabletop simulator. Actually, uh, I started back again playing Spirit Island because it's probably my favorite game of all time. If you've never played it, it is a wonderful thinky challenge that it it can't even describe the levels that it can go from. You have like the initial like beginner levels where you're you're not really playing against anybody specific it's just the standard game you have now there's almost 30 different spirits you can choose from oh, wow. it's jumped up a little yeah so there's all kinds of different like options that you have to make each game feel differently uh, a friend of ours tyler we get together we play on tabletop simulator um, each time we try and go like a harder and harder person just to see if we can we can win uh, we are fairly successful. Apparently, we're we're pretty good at the game, but uh, there there's still a ton more levels to increase the difficulty from where we're at. So we played that a good bit. Uh, then I picked up um, uh, or I downloaded um, the Moonrakers mod. So we actually talked about Moonrakers. We saw them at PAX uh, when we actually found them. It was on the third day. They had already sold all of their stock out. Um, if you don't remember, Moonrakers is a deck building type game that is mostly competitive uh, but does have some cooperative elements in it where you and another player can work together Uh, i've actually been playing the solo mode which is really well designed Uh, you have a um, it plays over 10 rounds and each round you have a set of five cards that you can kind of borrow from as if you were playing with another person right to help you complete the contracts and things like that because most of the contracts you can't complete on your own it's just it's impossible to do so you either pay part of the gold or part of the uh, prestige off of the contract in order to borrow from those five cards. 
So it still has a lot of the base like deck building elements in it. Uh, it's a pretty fun game. Uh, it probably takes somewhere in the neighborhood 30, maybe 40 minutes to run through like a solo session, depending on how fast you are. Right. Uh, I do love the mod. They've scripted a lot of the stuff on it, like a lot of the really good tabletop simulator mods. And I know that's kind of, you know, one of those controversial things. Right, right. But a well-scripted tabletop simulator mod is just wonderful for somebody who doesn't have a ton of time to play. Yeah. Or table space, for that matter. So that's one of the ones that I've been playing. Uh, it's been a blast to kind of learn that game. I'm excited to get a copy for us to play together. Yeah. So yeah. that's definitely on the on the to-get list. Uh, the other thing I've been playing is Marvel United. So this was a game that came out uh, a couple years ago, maybe just one. Uh, but there was a big, it was, of course, come on, a big Kickstarter by them. Uh, now with the Kickstarter version, there's like 130 characters or something ridiculous that you can play as. You know, the usual. Yeah, I can imagine. The tabletop simulator version has almost all of the stretch goal characters and everything coded into it, which is wonderful because... I did not back the Kickstarter because that was before I was really interested in the game. Uh, but now after I played it a couple times, like really getting to see it and kind of play around with it, I'm excited to have access to that kind of thing to at least try it out. Uh, I did get a retail version copy, so I do have a physical copy of it, uh, which I, we need to play sometime together. Uh, but it's a very fun cooperative type game um, that's in the chibi art style. Right. I was um, looking at the box of that one the other day. Yeah. Yeah. That one. It's really fun. You have all these different locations um, and you pick your hero and you play against a single villain. Each of the villains is varied. They do different things that are very thematic based on their character. The heroes do play fairly similar. Um, you have a deck of cards of your hero and each of those cards has different actions you can take. Most of them are pretty much the same, but there are a couple special cards in each deck that kind of really bring out what that hero can do and who they are. So that, I mean, in that way, it's kind of cool, uh, but I do like it. It's very fast. Uh, you can get through a game in like 15, 20 minutes, uh, which I do enjoy like that kind of thing. Just as like a little filler game. So that's kind of some of the ones that I've been playing recently uh, because we've been having our eye on the big elephant in the room. Yeah, which we're getting there. We're getting there. We need a little build up. Yeah, the um, Moonraker's is one I know we saw. I wanted to pick it up, which, like you said, they were out. But then I found out that they have, you can go back in and buy all of like the tokens and like metal and stuff. So that's the version we're going to get. And it's like a hundred bucks or something. Um, but it's definitely on the to-do list. But um, there's def there's a, right now, you know, you got to plan for some of these big purchases. Like it's really important. <laughs> And we'll just take a second and talk a little bit about financial planning. <laughs> when, you know, you're buying a new car or a new house or maybe making some renovations on the house, you know, and you're going to spend big, big money. You got to make sure you plan that into your budget kind of long term. It's really important. You know, another big part of it is if you're going to back anything from come on on Kickstarter, you're going to have to plan that into your budget. <laughs> Holy Mary, mother of God. So we've been talking about it a little bit, and if you have been watching our Instagram, you've seen us kind of updating as we go, but the Marvel Zombies Kickstarter, um, they've decided that in this one game, they're going to put all the things, just uh, all of them. Yeah, I, I believe pretty much that has been the initial goal um, that they appear to be succeeding quite well on. Um, currently, it's time of recording. There's like 53 hours left in the Kickstarter. And if you saw the post that went up on our Instagram earlier, uh, it pretty much looks like the scene in what's that in game, right? Yeah. They had the yeah. final scene in Endgame. Yeah. Where all the portals start opening and all the different people from all the Marvel places start coming out. That's pretty much where we're at, except zombies. Too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say you get it. You get zombies, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's definitely going to be a huge, huge game. I know they're up to what, like almost six million dollars. Yes, so they, far. they just broke the 5.9 million because we got zombie gambit. Nice. <laughs> and who doesn't want a Louisiana zombie? I'm pretty sure they made a whole show about this, like, back in the 2000s. Um, <laughs> I think it was vampires, but okay. Wrong undead. My bad. My bad. But this game has, uh, of course, it's a come on game. So, you know, the every day they're releasing two new sculpts, regardless of whether they hit more stretch goals or not. Also, they've been releasing expansion content for it. 
which most of it looks just absolutely spectacular. You know the minis are going to be amazing mm-hmm. because it it comes from Kaman. So just looking at the sculpts that they have put out, I mean, we were looking today. They announced the um, the probably the last big box expansion they have, which is going to be the Sinister Six. Yep. But the zombified Doc Ock and the zombified Rhino are both just amazing sculpts. The way that they look, I, it, I'm i glad you're getting into mini painting because when this comes out <laughs> next year, we're going to have a thousand more for you to paint. So, you know, no need to buy Warhammer. We'll have enough. But it's it just is excellent looking artwork. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Marvel IP anyway. Uh, I just enjoy all the different elements and stuff of it. A lot of the characters and stuff that are favorites of mine. Funny enough, I've never really been super big into X-Men. Yeah. But I'm excited for like a lot of the X-Men characters that are going to be in this. Uh, just, I think the hardest part's going to be, and, and I think it does come this way with a lot of come on games, is when you actually get this to the table, you're going to spend as long as it's going to take to play it, just choosing what you want to play with. Right, right. Yeah, I think we're going to have to do it. Like, we have to do a system. We're going to have to set it up so we play regularly and we get into it and get a chance to just cycle through stuff. Because I think right now there's, what, 30-something heroes and their zombie equivalent or something? At least that. At at least that. Um, And with the two different modes and now with the Sinister Six, they just announced a team versus team mode. Yeah, there, there is a lot to this if you're going, like, full backing like we are. Um, like I said, we are looking at second mortgages just to see uh, <laughs> the so I think the final was it the uh, the new tier that they released, which gets you all the things, the box, the uh, X-Men resistance, the Galactus add on all the other add ons was something like 610, 15, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. and then probably by the time we ship all of that, it's going to be close to a thousand because. You know, who knows what shipping prices are actually going to be when they get this thing finished. Where are they putting this thing together at? I might drive over there and pick it up. <laughs> Is that an option? <laughs> I don't think you can drive to China yet. I don't think they've worked that out. Um, but that being said, uh, I do feel like it's going to be like that scene in the very old Christmas movie, The Santa Claus, when he gets the naughty and nice list where he looks down in his living room and it's just full of boxes everywhere. <laughs> That's what I picture. I know it's right? not going to be that. But that's what I picture as they continue to add content into this. Uh, either way, we are super excited about it. There's a lot of really cool updates and just the general artwork and content that's coming out on this. Uh, of course, there are a lot of people out there that are saying this is definitely not worth it, that they are price gouging on this and things like that. If you have ever backed a, a come on Kickstarter or ever gotten your hands on it secondhand, right. you know that any of the add-ons, any of the things that are Kickstarter exclusives, you can turn around and sell as soon as you get your hands on them for probably as much as you paid for the entire Kickstarter. Right. I I think this is one of those where it's kind of to each their own. Like, yep. This hobby definitely can get crazy expensive um, depending on whether, I mean, even, I don't care if you're talking board games, TTRPGs, I don't care. Like, wargaming is ridiculous. Um there are some ways to save some money and stuff. Uh, I think we're fortunate enough at this point that we can back this one. Yeah. Right. Um, we can make it work and we're excited to do so. Um, but maybe, you know, everybody can't, uh, you know, I get it, but I still think that when we talk about, it, is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this one's going to be worth it. Yeah. There've been a lot of Kickstarters we've seen in the past, even before we started recording that we were like, man, I really wish we could back that, you know? And it just, it, it happens sometimes. Um, just wherever you find yourself in, you know, life. Um, like you said, we're very fortunate to back this one and we're super excited about it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what's going on. That's what we've been following. Right. Uh, right. of course it's, it's definitely funded. Now it's just a matter of what extras are they going to cram in these next two days? Right. Um, to finish it all off. How many more boxes we're getting? Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, uh, speaking of Kickstarter wins, uh, we did have one that I wanted to talk about. Um, last year, uh, I backed a game called Cultivate from Pops and Beju Games, and we talked about it, and I think mm-hmm. we actually did a review on it. Yep. Really fun little game. And we had played a lot of it, like, one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And um, the one-on-one dynamic was kind of interesting. Like, 
you know what your part or what the other person has most of the time. Like you have a pretty good idea. Um, if you feel you're bored up first, which is the point of the game, you have a really good shot at winning. Right. I finally got a chance to sit down with a group and play it. And it was a four person group and we sat down and played it. And I'm going to tell you completely changes the dynamic of that game. That is one of those that is so much more fun with more players. Um, you've got a lot of like kind of the, uh, the gotcha cards, the veto cards that stop you from playing or stop somebody from playing a card and they can be played by anyone that has one at any time. So definitely made it a lot more interesting because you never knew what that was, where that was coming from. Right. Um, on top of it, now you're watching three other people while they're filling their board. And when you go to it, like there's a card that lets you like steal a follower, and when you go to do that, you really need to think about who you're taking it from and which position you're taking it from and things like that. It really just kind of p- built on the complexity of the game a little bit, um, which was something that when we were playing one-on-one, I was like, I like it. It's still a lot of fun. Um, I just kind of wanted a little bit more to it. Adding more people to, that are trying to build their own cults, which totally makes sense to me, um, definitely makes it a little more complicated um, and a lot more fun. We had a blast where we played a couple rounds. Um, over a couple of drinks and stuff. It was great. It was really the game that I was hoping that it was going to be when we backed it. Yeah. And I think that was actually, we. I watched another review on it. I think that was something that was brought up with them too, that one-on-one is okay, but with them, with more people, that's really the better player count on it. Right, right. Can confirm. Can confirm. Yeah. So, cool. All right. Hey, we're going to talk about games we play. One that um, I know I've had a blast playing with Josh. And uh, something you might be interested in if you've ever wanted to maybe be a TV executive. Then we're going to talk about some new crowdfunding projects that we liked. So hang tight and we'll be back with the rest of it. Next up in games we play, The Networks. Designed by Gil Hova, with artwork by Travis Kinchy. Published by Formal Ferret Games. Have you ever wanted to run your own TV station? Well, now you can with The Networks. Each player will take on the role of a network and be responsible for their programming. For that, you'll need to develop shows, sign stars, and land those big ads. In the first season, each network will have a set of starter cards that include stars, ads, and shows with names like Unlocking Your Cat's Psychic Potential and the biannual county bubble wrap hopping tournament. But if you want to get those viewers, you're going to need to spice things up by developing new shows, signing new stars, landing ads, and then attaching those stars and ads to the shows. Some shows will require that you have a star or an ad or both before it can be developed and every show will get stale after a few seasons. When that happens, you place the show in reruns and start developing the next big thing. Over five seasons, your goal is to collect as many viewers as you can, scoring your lineup at the end of every season, paying your expenses, and collecting some sweet, sweet loot. Once the fifth season ends, we tally the final score, and just like in real life, the network with the most viewers wins. So we've played this game a couple of times. Um, I know we broke it out uh, the first time. I really like the idea. Um, I like the idea of having a network. Like that was pretty cool. Um, I can get behind that. Uh, what kind of what? Like how would you describe this game? There, there's some drafting involved. You've got to like choose your shows and your stars and your ads from like the different cards that are available in the different seasons. It kind of has elements of like tableau building as well because the way you put them on your board and you have to both try and maximize the amount of viewers that the show makes as well as the advertising and things like that that will net you more money and then the um using the actors and stuff like that i i do like the season progression that happens uh, that adds an interesting element so this game first dropped on my radar um, from the Brothers Murph, actually. 
Oh, another um, another pair of brothers that are involved <laughs> in the gaming industry. Interesting. <laughs> a, a little more well known than we are currently. Currently. Uh, anyway, uh, look, looking for that contract with that gaming company so we can help them be their face. Right. Uh, anyway, the um, they, it was in their one of their top 100 board games or something like that. One of those lists they did. Uh, that was the first time I ever heard about it. And that was the only time I ever heard about it. Okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't hear anyone else talking about it or anything like that. And I was like, ah, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Let me check it out. I uh, ended up finding it at my local game store at that time, which was down in South Carolina. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting idea. It's a theme that I don't think is really built upon by anybody else. Right. Uh, I don't think I've seen anything else quite like this, but I do love a lot of the elements in the game. Okay, well let's start. Let's start with talking uh, setup, right? So when uh, everybody chooses a TV station, um, you get your player board. It tells you what to do during each of the seasons. It also shows you what slots you have to fill. You have the 8 p.m., 9 p.m., and 10 p.m. slot. You've got to fill the show. You start out with some shows. Each network has its own shows, a star and an ad. Yes. That you begin with. Um, you place the shows, which they're kind of worthless. Like they're yeah. not. Yeah. I don't I don't even know if they get you any viewers. Right. I, I have to look. At yeah. One of the cards. They're, they're really terrible, though. Uh, but they do have hilarious names. Right. Um, right. So that that is always funny. Uh, and your actor is a very mediocre actor. Uh, I think the last time we played mine was like a, a failed mayoral candidate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and then. Cooking uh, for your gerbil is one of your starter shows. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Uh, the um, then the ad you have is also a very cheap ad. So immediately there are better options for you to replace on your board. Yes. Yes. Um, and that's when you start into your first season. I think the setup's pretty easy. It tells you kind of right on the game board, uh, on the like there's a main tracker piece that's put out for everybody, and it tells you right there what you need to put out for uh, like a three-player game, four-player game, five-player game, whatever you've got sitting on the table. You have some of your network cards, which are cards that give you special abilities that you can take. You have the shows, you have the stars, uh, you have the ads. Yes. So that presents you with a bunch of options. So to develop a show... You have to pay its initial cost. Right. You have to make sure that it doesn't have any requirements on it because some shows require that you have a star or an ad to put on them. Right. Right. And which makes sense. I mean, you're, and that's why it says in there you're developing a show. Right. Uh, so you put that on. And one of the other things to look at is some of the shows function better, I know, in their first season at least. Depending on what time slot they're yeah, in, that that is, it's the first season bump if they're in their time slot that you or they request. So on each show, it's usually anywhere from like three to five extra viewers that a show will get based on if you put it in the time slot at once. Uh, sometimes it's worth it not to put it in that time slot. Like if you have one show you're trying to replace, and maybe there's no options left on the board that fit that time slot, you know, you do what you got to do to get more viewers. Uh, but it's I, I like the kind of um, tension that that creates. Mm -hmm. um, so the way that it continues from there after you have the game set up, uh, it's just standard turn order for games. Uh, whoever goes first actually in the beginning gets more or gets less money than those who go later um, because it, it is um, a benefit then to do it that way. But once all the cards are gone for that season, they're gone. You don't replenish them on the board you what's called drop in budget right and then you move on to the next season right so the budgeting has to do with um there are certain um stars that actually cost you money each season and there are certain shows as well that cost you money that you have to pay like into the bank each season right and if for any reason you can't pay that money then it actually charges you viewership basically right and you offset this by getting ads yep. ads pay money into your bank uh, I know a lot of the seasons that we ended when we were playing last time, we ended up kind of breaking even. Right. So um, we didn't have to take anything or put anything back. Um, but yeah, um, you hire stars and ads and they kind of sit in your green room. And then as this goes on after each season, there's a tracker block on each show that moves down. And every season you get less and less viewers for it. So 
at that time, you got to find a new show. So depending on whatever season you're in and stuff, you can take that old show and move it into the section called reruns and you flip the card over and it shows you how many rerun viewers you get. Because we all know there's some of us out there that, you know, get nostalgic. Every now and then I want to go back and rewatch the entire Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Like all 14 <laughs> seasons and how many hundreds of episodes. But so you get your rerun viewership as well. Then you put something new in the place and you're starting all over again. And it, it becomes very interesting choosing the timing of when to send a show into reruns and replace it with a different show. Um, that sort of thing, I think, is where the like tension lies in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, because there is only a certain number of new shows for you to choose from. And once those, again, are chosen, there's no more for that season. Right. So you have to kind of prioritize what you need Mm -hmm. um, in order to make it happen. And then with the shows also requiring either like an ad or an actor for most of the shows, um, then you have to really kind of set things up um, so that when you're ready to develop a show, you can go ahead and immediately take it and do it. Right. That way you don't get stuck trying to spend a turn to pick up an actor or something like that. Right. Yeah, definitely. I like too the the shows um, there's, they all have a type, right? Like there's action. There was comedy. I think there was family. There was sports. Um, And if you become a network and you decide to develop specifically um, one of those genres, you get bonuses for that as well. Right. So for every third show and then every fifth show, show, you get bonuses um, based on like developing the same types of shows. So, again, um, a lot of different kind of cool variations there. Um, but overall, I think it's a really fun game. Uh, the first time we played it, I remember it was a little kind of clunky, just kind of getting and figuring out the moving pieces. Yeah. Um, but once like once you get that, I think it's pretty straightforward. Um there's not a whole lot. In fact, when we recently played it, it'd been a while since we had played. Uh, we picked it up pretty quickly and were able to kind of run through. Yeah, I think we had a couple of questions, just rules questions that I think we had to go look up. Um, but yeah, I mean, kind of once we were going, we were going. Um, I do know there's a lot of expansions out there, too. I was looking while we were kind of putting this together. Um, there's maybe four or five expansions out there for it. Or are they new versions? Um, there are, there are a few expansions. There is one two player variant or version that came out called the rival networks. Okay. Um, I think it came out fairly recently actually. Um, but we, we played the two player version with the full game, which it, it has a kind of burn phase where you get rid of some of the options to kind of make it seem like there's, you know, that feel of more people playing. Right. Building a little tension. Yep. But this one is geared specifically towards, uh, two player games. Uh, but I know there are many expansions. Uh, there's the executives. Um, there are, uh, what I'm called on the air. There is one called telly time, which is like British shows, which is <laughs> hilarious. I'm in, yeah. I'm in. Um, and then there's other stuff that, um, you know, just your general add-ons, um, like they have like some fancy different bits and stuff you can get, but for the most part, um, there's like three, three really main expansions. Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of game here and it's really, like I said, it's really kind of a different feel of a game. Um, I really do enjoy that tension of your shows, like your, the things that you've gotten gradually getting worse. And like having to make that decision, when is the time that you switch them out? Right, because they all kind of deteriorate over time. Another part of it, too, is a lot of the ads or certain stars or even like certain shows, you have to like you have to combine them the right way. Especially with like ads, there'll be ads that when you pull them, uh, when you land the ad to begin with, you take some money. When you assign it to a show, it'll say something like, you know, if not assigned to a sports show, flip it over and you get less money from it. Right. Some of the shows do that as well. Like if you don't have an actor sitting in your green room, you flip the show over and it gives you less viewers. Yep. Uh, you kind of just turn the card and there's a tracker on the other side as well. So that's something else that I had. Like I had a lot of problem keeping up with that in my head because I would put a plan together. And then as I'm executing the plan, I would realize, oh, crap, like I have to leave somebody in the green room to get this to get the point value from this guy or I got to right. fl- flip him over. I imagine this game is probably more difficult at three and four players. Yeah. Uh, just because having those actually taking cards, I, I think, creates a little bit more. 
tension there. Right. Um, but the game, the middle board, like you were talking about, has sections depending on how many players you are playing with. So it changes the setup instructions on the board as well as like the card numbers that get put out, the amount of cards and things like that. So I, I do really like that they planned. Um, I do really like that they planned for that uh, and made it really easy to kind of scale the game and set it up for however many players you have. I know one of the things that um, after we got all the cards kind of put out and remembered kind of where they all went, um, that was pretty straightforward for us. Um, and even at the two player level where you have to burn cards, the game does make it very easy to do that. Um, one of the other things that I enjoyed about this game are the the humor that's involved in it. Right. So the show names are hilarious. Uh, and even going down like the list of actors, uh, like, it basically describes the type like a stereotype of actor, which right. is, is really funny. Like there's the guy that dies in everything he's in. Yep. We all know who that is yep <laughs> uh, even the shows that you pay for i mean the starting ones sound horrific like know your rash but they don't really get much better as you get into season <laughs> yeah. five yeah not not really but i really do like the um just the humor behind the game i think is really funny uh i do think the british expansion probably would be absolutely hilarious especially if you have that kind of dry humor right um that they are known for uh but Still, I think all in all, it's a really good, fun game that I don't know a lot of people are talking about. And I don't like I said, I don't think I've ever heard a lot of people talk about it. It's right. kind of one of those hidden gems, I think, that are really good. All right. Well, let's score it. So we haven't done this in a little while. And uh, we're going to talk about value, the components, the gameplay, the replayability, and then kind of an overall score. And we scored on like a one to ten um, because we think that's simple and that's how it's going to work for us. So. Um, value. I know a lot of time when we talk value, we directly tie the value of a game into kind of the rest of this, the components, the gameplay, and that replayability. Um, so what does it run right now retail? So the last printing of this version of it was 2018. You're probably looking at like what, like a $30 board game? Yeah, I'd say it's probably somewhere right around there, especially went, right now. Yeah, if you went and found it in your local game store, that's probably what you're going to end up spending on. Uh, I think originally the MSRP was about 50, might be 45, okay. somewhere in that neighborhood. So somewhere in there. Uh, it may be harder to find this game at this point uh, since the last printing was 2018 uh, as far as in your local game store. Um, I've seen it for about 32. So when you look at the prices are getting around 30 bucks. Right. So it, this game may be hard to find at this point, given that its last printing was 2018. So it might be difficult to find locally. I'm sure you can find it various places online, um, but it's definitely one of those um, it, like board games, especially uh, tend to um, gear towards what is called the cult of the new. Right. So right. it's usually, of course, it's a lot easier to find games that were printed recently, obviously. Um, but a lot of shops and things like that have to kind of scale towards that because revenue-wise. Sure. So it might be difficult to find this, but if you can, you might be able to get a good deal on it. I was going to say, you might be able to get it for way under 30 bucks. Right. And it's definitely worth, I'd say it's easily worth $30. Uh, if you can find it cheaper than that, then by all means, I think it's it's a great game. Got it. So value, if you're if you're spending 30 bucks on a game for value, we're calling it an 8 Oh, I'd easily give this an eight for thirty bucks. Okay, uh, I I can't think of another game that I've spent thirty bucks on that kind of has the amount of game that this one does. Right. So let's talk components. Um, the cardstock. Uh, so first of all, everybody has a little thick cardboard um, network board that you each of us use, and then it's the same sort of material that you lay out for the board to track the points and whatnot. Right. Um, you've got, uh, you've got all of your cards, your network cards, your show cards, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and then each, each player has a couple of tokens that they use to track uh, a couple of different things. And those are all wooden. Right. Um, I don't know if I, if I like wooden tokens or plastic tokens, um, better. Um, I, I, I is this a preference thing? I, I would say probably the, this game is mostly cards. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, yeah. Like, easily. 
95% of the game is cardstock. Yes. So I, it's tough to rate components because we're, it's not like we're dealing in miniatures or anything like that where we can discuss like super quality of it. Sure. I mean, it's, it's cardstock. It's good cardstock. I'm not, you know, not really anything against that. Uh, but there also isn't anything that makes me go, man, I really love this game for the components. Right. So I call it average six. Yeah. I think a six is probably solid on that. Uh, I, the one thing that I think would push it higher than that, if the components were not just like little wooden blocks. Right. If in some way they were kind of like some different sort of meeple type thing. Like right. Yeah. So, some sort of design or things like that, which I do believe they have that upgraded component kit that I was talking about. I think that that does resolve that issue. Sure. But as far as base game wise. So the kit that uh, it's out of stock now, but originally that came from formal ferret has five little wooden television sets and five little wooden remote controls to replace the base game score and turn order markers. Right. And then one little wooden TV antenna to replace the season marker and then 20 clear plastic cubes to replace the black tiny cubes. See, that's adorable. Who wouldn't want that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, like you said, components are what they are. Um, it's not bad. They, they they do they do their job. Right. I think a solid six for the components cool. um, would be where we would land on that. Gameplay. So the gameplay here is at its core is basic drafting, mm-hmm. um, which uh, there are a ton of games in that kind of genre. But I think tying it in with the theme the way that they do really helps with that. Sure. Uh, I think this game would be boring if you were drafting components for um, some Mediterranean farming. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? Got it. Uh, But because we're talking about building a network and running shows, having actors, things like that, uh, I think it really, it kind of elevates that card drafting um, and makes it, you know, something that's different. Uh, as far as uh, the gameplay goes with it being difficult or things like that, I feel like it's fairly easy to pick up on. Sure, sure. Um, the iconography and stuff on the cards is all pretty straightforward. Right. N- nothing really crazy in, in that regard. I think there was a couple things, like I said, there were a couple of rules that were a little bit clunky for us. Um, like when you develop a show that requires a star, do you get a star with them or do you, get to, or do you have to add it later? So we had some questions on that. Um, so... Um, I think the one thing too that you had mentioned before that um, that element of the things that you draft deteriorating also is something that kind of adds to the gameplay definitely like that's it's within the theme it works really well with what we're trying to set up here and it makes you have to start getting ready to draft the next one you know you got to start getting ready to change that out yeah and I think that makes sense with the theme as well because obviously shows are not like we see in in day-to-day life shows deteriorate in popularity Mm -hmm. um some of them have higher ratings though on like the second and third season which is reflected on some of the shows in the game which i thought was really cool right um but it's still that kind of when are we going to move this show off the air right making that decision Right, right, because it's no longer bringing in what it should. And a lot of card drafting games, I feel like, are in the vein of when you draft the thing, now it is yours, now you get to use it. Um, this kind of adds that element of you are constantly changing out. What you are drafting one round is not necessarily what you need the next round, but you may end up coming back to having to draft a similar thing. Sure, sure. Um, I, I think I would give it a, like, I feel like I'm in about a seven range with it. Like I said, there was a couple of rules for me that felt a little clunky. Um, and that may have just been me, um, not quite, uh, like grasping things just yet, but that's kind of where I feel the gameplay is. I think I'd probably give it an eight. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, it feel, it's not like one of my ultimate favorite all time games, but it is definitely one that is up there. Uh, the just the the theme and stuff of it, I feel really carries this game. Sure. Um, because at, at the end of the day, it's it is a card drafting game, but with that theme tacked on top of it, um, it definitely kind of it goes through the whole game and not just something they painted on the top. How many plays do you think you're going to get out of this box? So the one good thing about this is the limiting factor of the cards. 
in that there are only going to be five to six cards of each type Mm -hmm. that you see during the seasons. So the seasons themselves, uh, you have different shows that are allotted for each season. Now, some of the the actors and the ads, um, they carry over to the different to the different seasons so you will see some some repeats on those but for the most part i feel like you can get quite a few different plays out of this game if not for the only reason that you're never going to draft the exact same set of cards that you drafted the last time you played right right there's like 13 cards for each season and you only like put out i think it's like six at a time right and i I think for the most part the uh, the game itself lends to being a different play experience each time because you never know what cards are going to come out for one. So even if you were to somehow build an alpha gamer strategy to beat, you know, the networks, you still have decisions you have to make on the fly because you don't know that the cards you want are going to be the cards that come out. that either come out or are even going to be available when you can get them. So solid eight replayability. I think so. Uh, I think you can get uh, maybe even, and probably even stretch that a little bit when you start talking with the expansion stuff. Yeah, I, it depends to you. I think the group because um, again, you can buy into the humor of this really. Yeah, and kind of play that up in in a sort of way, and I think that will help kind of extend the replayability on it. Overall, what it was, I like, I really feel like you said the game. The game is good. Um, it's a good time, and it's a lot of you know, kind of. Uh, pop culture type humor that you see with like you know the shows and stuff you get to see the reality shows that everybody talks about we should make but nobody ever really would right you know things like that um overall i mean it's just i mean i think it's a good solid seven eight game um for everything that it is um it's not gonna be the probably not gonna be the top of the shelf for everybody but i think it's just it's still just a solid game to play and it's still a lot of fun I think it is a good seven is where I would land on it. Um, like you said, it's probably it's not going to be your big showy, flashy games. But that being said, I feel like it it creates a nice little niche that it can fill because one of the theme I, I, I really do. I, we, I've said this many times, but I feel like the theme is really what sets this game apart. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I think that's kind of where it carves out its own little space, at least on my shelf. Right. Um, because I don't have any other games that really fit this kind of theme. Sure. sure. Um, I have other card drafting games that do other different things, uh, but this one is kind of that's there. It does have a pretty decent solo mode as well. Uh, it's not my favorite kind of solo mode because it's one where you're just trying to amass points. Right. Um, which... It doesn't make it bad. It's just not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just goes to the kind of game it is. So I, I think a solid seven again. Like I said, I, I think it deserves a spot on the shelf, uh, and because I still have not ever played or seen anything that really like would do away with this one. Right. Um, but definitely not. Again, not going to be a headliner of game night. Sure. I, yep. I just don't see it ever having that spot. Unfortunately, it does take a while to play. And having not played Rivals, that may kind of alleviate that time a little that bit. That might change that up, yeah. Because even with us playing, it was still like a 60 to 100 minute game. Right, like right. That even with just two players. So that's kind of one of those things that's a drawback for me. And then, of course, the pieces just being what they are. I mean, it it is a card game with little wooden pieces. Sure. Yeah, so. yeah. Like I said, nothing real exciting. Um, the humor's good, but you know, it'll be one of those games where we're like, let's play a game tonight. All right. We got options. Like it's going to be gamers that find this thing and really get into it. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I, I don't see uh, this being one of those games that, uh, really is out there to draw people into the hobby. Uh, it was fairly successful. I mean, obviously it had like five reprintings, sure. so, um, it, it did well for itself, but I don't see this being the, you know, Ticket to Ride or Catan or something like that. Got that's going to bring people in. The big names. Y'all know what we mean. Yeah. You awesome. Know, Marvel Zombies. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there it is again. <laughs> Look, when you spend this much money on something, <laughs> you got to get your mileage out of it, all right? <laughs> Just wait until it ships. <laughs> all right, guys. 
So that is the networks. If you can find a copy of it, definitely try it out. Let us know if you do, and let us know what you think of it. This is sitcom TV end. <laughs> See the sky, see the clouds amongst the sun. See the day for everything it could be. Stop treading on that snooze button and run. And now, our Kickstarter Roundup. In this episode's Kickstarter Roundup, we have a few games that all look very exciting. A couple twists on a traditional RPG. Uh, We have a remake of an older board game. Uh, And then we have a naval combat game that we really hope is um, going to be better than some of the predecessors that have come out. Uh, Let's start with the twist on the RPG. Uh, This one looks really exciting. I actually sent this one to you midweek when I saw the Kickstarter hit. Uh, This is called One More Quest, a dexterity comedy RPG. Yes, I looked at this one when you sent it to me. Um, Definitely a twist on your traditional tabletop RPGs. Uh, like this looks like a really light-hearted kind of rpg if you're into that kind of a game this may be the way to go um and i can only imagine with their i almost hesitate to call it a dice rolling system um <laughs> but drinks at the table are going to make like the ends of this game way more fun oh absolutely so this game the way that it is structured is based not so much on dice rolling but on dice throwing In the middle of the table, you have a target board that comes with a game that you set up. This board has different sections, just like a target would. Uh, And as you are playing this game, each of the different skill challenges require you to toss a die and see how close you can get to the middle. And that gives you the number um, of your like skill check, basically what we would say in regular like Dungeons and Dragons. Now, the funny part comes in the way that you have to throw the dice. So one of the instances that it describes in the Kickstarter is if you are trying to do something stealthy, um, you have to try and throw the dice up onto the table from underneath the table. Uh, One of the other things describes a scenario where a person is running away from um, a dungeon trying to carry a piece of loot carefully. You have to take the die and hold it between your two pinky fingers and that is how you throw it onto the table. So there are a multitude of other various rules and things like that that are involved in this game, all of which I think are absolutely hilarious. They, I, I think there's a really fun, lighthearted take on an RPG. Uh, you're not going to get the tear-jerking, emotional draw stories <laughs> that you could get with other RPGs. Right. But that's not what this game is. No. You're going to get the story where the big bad has an entire office of people working in the dungeon and it's all just dysfunctional and nobody knows what they're doing. And (laughs) that's the stories that I see coming out of this game. Filled with middle management. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, this this one looks really funny. I think this is a really fun take on RPGs. This is a great like drinking game night type RPG. Right. One of those where you guys are just going to kick back, tell a fun story together, and then laugh at the antics of people trying to throw this die into this target. Right. Um, As far as uh, price-wise on the Kickstarter, uh, there's a couple different levels you can back it at. Uh, the first basic level is about $25, $25 US dollars. Uh, gets you a PDF copy of the core book and all the other digital content available through the campaign. Uh, which, by the way, just for backing, they have a lot of really cool benefits. Um, if you do get a physical copy, they have an exclusive variant cover for the Kickstarter. You actually get your name in the credits. Uh, and they give you a, a scenario that is built around the system. So that's all really cool. That's just for backing. Um, the next level um, is going to be at 62 US dollars. Um, this is an actual starter set for the game. So you do get a physical copy of the book. Um, and then, of course, you get stretch goals. You get the six dice that you're going to need to make the rolls. Now, of course, you can use regular D6s um, if you get the digital version. Uh, these are just made specifically for the game. Uh, you do get the target board as well, of course. Um, you get a couple of the other um, unlock things that come with the physical version, as well as all the stretch goals, which are included. 
Um, then the next level that they have, there's um, this is called the Collector's Edition. Um, this will run you about $107. Uh, now, for this one, there's a Collector's Edition box um, and a couple other upgraded things that come in this edition. There's also a DM screen uh, that they include in the Collector's Edition. Um, and just kind of an upgraded version of the game itself. Yep. The next one is that uh, the gameplay bonanza. You get the full collector's edition, um, plus a second magnetically sealed storage box containing additional gameplay components. Two additional double-sided alternative target boards, the weird materials dice set, uh, unusual shapes dice set. Oh, that because that's going to get out of hand. Uh, the talent cards, monster cards, uh, PDF copies of the core book, and the adventure mixtape. Um, and that one runs you at about 164 US. Yeah, so at this point, this project is going to be fully funded. Um, it's almost at $100,000 of the 11000 goal that it had. Uh, it does still have 14 days left to go, so there's still plenty of time to hop on if there's something that you like about this I, I recommend at least looking at the kickstarter watching the video of it um again the whole idea behind the system is absolutely hilarious uh, i think this is one of those that is very exciting um so that that's our first kickstarter uh the next one we want to talk about is the naval combat game um it's called seas of havoc we've uh, we've talked about a couple of these kind of age of sale games in Seeds of Havoc, there are a couple of really cool things. When I saw this one, that brought me to it in our episode today. The way that it combines both naval combat through moving your ship around the grid, as well as worker placement in gathering resources and um, really outfitting your ship and things like that. And lastly, it also has a deck building element to it. When you first start the game, you choose both a pirate captain and you choose the type of ship that you want to go with your pirate captain. Now, each of these two things has a completely separate deck that then you put together and that is your starter deck for your player. Now, one thing we've talked about before, we love asymmetrical player powers. Um, the ability of each player to have that one thing that they can do that other players can't. Uh, this game is full of that. So each yeah, captain has a different player power as well as each ship operates a little bit differently. So all of that is awesome. Excellent. I love it. Now, that being said, you can also build up your deck as you're going through the game. So there are two main phases in the game. The first phase is called the island phase. And in this phase, you use your worker placement pieces to both outfit your ship by getting new cards, putting them into your deck, as well as restocking supplies from the island through the various worker placement spots. So doing that phase, you get, you know, your cannonballs, you get your different movement cards that you can change the direction and the way that your ship moves. Um, and just all kinds of different stuff like that, um, special attacks, special abilities, all all sorts of things. So after that, you actually have the high seas phase where you move your ship around on this gridded map and you try to get into a position where you can make cannon shots on your opponents. Uh, that is the basis of the game. Um, there are different damage cards for when you do damage your opponents, as well as you get points for causing damage to them. Um, so, looking at some of the backing levels of this one, uh, it has, first and foremost, it's got the standard $2 you can back it just to get into the pledge manager later. Um, I love when Kickstarters do that uh, because sometimes it's tough to put up a bunch of money up front. Right. And it gives you the option of doing it, you know, two, three months down the road. Right. And that is the powder monkey level. What's next? So, the second level is called the quartermaster. Uh, this level is 65 US dollars, and it is one copy of the Seas of Havoc plus one copy of the Sea Monster expansion, which they are throwing in for free for their Kickstarter backers. Right. Um, of course, shipping and taxes, all that kind of stuff will be included after it's over, um, but this is your base level really to get the game um, through the Kickstarter. Um, so 
one of the things I like about this, um, and we we talked about, of course, we've been talking about the Marvel Zombies Kickstarter, the way that Come On runs theirs. I do like kind of these incentives for these smaller companies, yeah. like automatically throwing in the expansion. Yeah, like that's really really something I think is cool for them to do. Um, but we continue down the list. Uh, the next level here is Captain, which is a pledge of eighty nine dollars U.S. dollars or more. Um, so you get both the two things that come in the previous as well as a buried treasure expansion, mm-hmm. um, the deluxe version of that. Um, it does say this is a limited print run of this level as well. That's right. And then the only thing left is uh, a retailer level, which gives you six copies of Seas of Havoc and six copies of the Sea Monster expansion. This Kickstarter actually went live today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has 23 days left to go on it. So still plenty of time. It has already funded, uh, pretty much double, a little over double actually of its funding goal. So there's plenty of time left. Definitely take a look at this one. This one looks pretty exciting. Um, there's a lot of, uh, buzz around this, which can be good and bad, but just take a look at this one. See if it's something that, um, might interest you. All right. Last up. This one's one that I've been waiting, uh, to talk about. Um, and that is Thunder Road Vendetta. Uh, and this is the one you were telling me. This is a remake of an older game. Yeah, apparently there was a game called Thunder Road that was released in 1986. So this is by Restoration Games, who that's their bread and butter. Right. Um, is redoing older games, giving them a second chance at life, basically. So this one looks really exciting. Uh, it kind of puts a spin on the traditional racing type game, what we would call it. Um, by basically making it a Mad Max style. Right. See, that's the kind of the impression that I got when they were talking about gameplay is you're looking at, you know, you, it, it, first of all, you're talking like vehicle combat and the cars look like they may be post-apocalyptic. Um, and in some of the pictures anyway, I know there's like, you can see the guns on the cars, like somebody has been souping them up and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And the roads... And things like that that you're racing on. There's all kinds of hazards and things that are on them that you have to try to avoid. As well as, um, like, you can both run into other cars. You can, like, fall on top of them and push them out of the way or into obstacles. Um, Just all kinds of fun little things like that. Uh, It looks like the goal of the game is to eliminate your opponent's cars uh, until you're the last one left. So each player looks like starts with three different cars. Um, and then as you play through the game, you know, eliminating your opponent's cars. Uh, looks like a really fun game. I, it doesn't look super in depth or anything, uh, but it does look like it has quite a few um, like fun little quirks and things like that. If you're a fan, <clears throat> if you're a fan of things like Mad Max and those types of post-apocalyptic type games and themes, this definitely looks like a fun one for you to take part of. Oh, the, like this has Thunder Road written all over it. Um, looking at the gameplay and looking at the different components, everything about it screams Thunder, you know, Fury Road to me. So. Yep. Um, so levels that you can back this one at. This has also has a $1 pledge level, so you can get into the post-campaign pledge manager and then decide what you want to go with from there. Um, the base pledge that'll get you the game is $50. So that gets you Thunder Road Vendetta, which is the base game. It gets you the extra ammo mini expansion, um, detail-enhancing paint wash on all the miniatures, and any unlock stretch goals during this campaign which there are quite a few already because this one has been going for a a little while. The next level is a $60 um, pledge. Now, this is for game stores. This is the pledge level for game stores just to get you into that pledge manager where you can then order however many copies that you would like for that. Uh, The next level for just retail backers is going to be $145, which is their maximum Chrome edition. So I was looking at this because this one is hilarious. It actually comes with a special box that is made to hold both the base game plus the four different expansions um, that come with it, as well as um, stretch goals and things like that. It has a custom plastic insert they're making for it. Um, Just really the whole nine yards. That one looks really good. I like the the big rig and final five expansion. Yep. The big rig looks, it's just like it sounds. It's a big semi and like three piece truck. Yep. Um, that looks like a lot of fun. This Kickstarter still has 13 days to go on it. Uh, it is currently going to fund as well. Um, it's almost a double its goal. 
of it had a three hundred thousand dollar goal and is almost at six hundred thousand. So definitely a, a good size Kickstarter. Um, there's a lot of good stretch goals that have been unlocked for this. So this is one definitely go check it out if it's something that is a theme that's right up your alley. Nice, nice. Um, I, yeah, I like this one. I'm watching the gameplay video on it. Um, there's some dice rolling involved with it as well. Um, overall just looks like, um, a really good time. Like I said, this thing screams Fury Road to me, um, the vehicle combat and stuff. So I'm really digging it. Um, go check those out. And with that, we drop in budget on season five. Thanks to Dr. What starring that kid from the commercial for giving us enough viewers to win. For the Dapper Meeple, I'm Jim. And I'm Josh. Good night, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at The Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>